Gary Ablett's fitness, Robbie Gray's round one claims, Tom Lynch's future, all on today's Splash, plus Super Rugby's hard crackdown on a couple of naughty star players. It's Tuesday, the 27th of February. It's time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. Thank you for tuning in. We've got uh, uh, rugby journalist Christy Doran joining The Splash a little bit later to talk about Luke Antui and Scott Higginbotham both spending time on the sidelines following Australian franchises opening uh, to the Super Rugby competition last weekend. Uh, And Ben Waterworth in a moment to talk about some of the AFL uh, headlines, which are uh, causing a bit of splash this week. Uh, But first, a couple of the other headlines. Uh, NBL first, the Sydney Kings have confirmed Andrew Gaze will continue as head coach uh, next season in NRL. Roosters rising star Latrell Mitchell has outlined uh, his uh, cleaning up his act basically uh, as he prepares for season 2018, hoping to put uh, last season's up and down year behind him uh, in football in A-League. The Western Sydney Wanderers have banned its RBB fan base from attending its upcoming clash against the Perth Glory. Big story there on the Fox Sports website in cricket. Jacob Karoop, uh, cricket writer, of course, he's outlined five of the key matchups in the upcoming uh, Australia South Africa tour taking place uh, as pretty much as soon as March kicks off. Uh, so not long now until that series gets underway and Geelong recruit Gary Ablett remains adamant he'll play all 22 home and away games uh, this season and it feels kind of a bit uh, it's almost an insult just to label Gary Ablett as Geelong recruit. Uh, Ben Waterworth joins me from Fox Footy down in Melbourne. Welcome in Benny. You've been following this story I believe. Hello, Phil. Uh, been following it for a long time. Been following Gary, Gary Ablett's career for a long time. Indeed Basically, you have. in November, he, he came out and said in November that he wanted to play every game, all 22 games. And that was looking very promising, probably up mm. until last week where he went down with a... Well, he left match simulation early uh, with some soreness in his hamstring. And yeah. scans later revealed that he has suffered a minor strain in his hamstring, which is a bit of a setback for his hopes mm. of playing in round one. I'm trying to think of the last time he played all 22 <laughs> home and away games. Uh, yeah, sort of back that... in 2012, 2013, he was able mm. to sort of play most games, uh, if not all games off the top of my head uh, back then. But since 2014, where you know he was leading the Brownlow medal to up until about round 17, 18, ever since that infamous shoulder injury yeah. for the Gold Coast Suns up against Collingwood, Gary's had a very... Uh, unfortunate injury-interrupted seasons in a row, mainly due to shoulder and knee problems more than anything else. He did have a concussion issue a little bit during one season as well. But then at the end of last year, he also missed six out of the past eight games, six out of the past um, eight final games for the Suns last year with a hamstring injury. Mm. Now, his manager, Liam Pickering, this morning said that uh, the two not necessarily are related, 
but there are some, I suppose, some natural question marks considering he's 33 years old yeah. and he's about to embark on his 17th AFL season. Yeah, I'm assuming one of you guys down there um, would have got some form of mail um, throughout the, the off-season and pre-season about how Gary Ablett has been training with Geelong. Is there anything you can reveal to us today? Flawless, really. Uh, yeah. And from all of that's what his manager said this morning as well, that he hasn't missed a trick, was his direct quote during the, the off-season, which had Geelong fans understandably very, very excited about yeah. what's going to be potentially what's ahead in 2018 because the Cats have thrown a lot of eggs in their 2018 basket. They've mm. br- brought Ab- uh, Ablett across. They've uh, gotten rid of a fair few fringe players to make room for, for Ablett to come across. And now Ablett, Dangerfield and Selwood are preparing for a huge season. So look, it's not it's not the be-all and end-all if he's not there for round one. And it's not the be-all and end-all if he doesn't play all 22 games this year. Ultimately, mm. it's about the team and, and Ablett probably being there when it, when it matters most a little bit later on in the year. So as his manager mm. said this morning, Liam Pickering, yeah, he, Gary's not going to be silly about this. If he's not right, he won't play. He'll, and Geelong, naturally when it comes to player management, err on the side of caution. It's one of the big AFL stories of the week, of course, that we need to follow. Another one is Port Adelaide's Robbie Gray, uh, who uh, was he was reported for an incident on the weekend, raising his elbow. Um, what's the, the latest there? Because I understand Port Adelaide weren't happy. He was given a one-match ban. So on Monday, uh, Michael Christian, the new match review officer, gave the Port Adelaide star, Robbie Gray, a, a one-week ban for that uh, for, for that incident, that head-high incident, meaning he would miss round one of the uh, AFL season. And Robbie Gray is arguably their best player, Port Adelaide. So it's mm. a huge it's a huge, uh, a huge blow for them to, to start off the season. But for the first time, we've had a couple of weeks of the match review officer system with the AFLW and with AFLX as well. But for the first time after week one of the JLT series, a club is going to challenge a, a Michael Christian uh, decision that's been handed down. And the reason that that's happening, and I, I think this time last year it wouldn't have happened under the old system, but instead of risking extra grains for Robbie Gray by going to the system, Port Adelaide are now risking a $10,000 fee. So if yeah, Gray okay. gets... Gray gets off on Tuesday night. Uh, that fee is totally wiped, and Gray's one-game ban is wiped. But if Gray's one-game ban stands, a ten thousand dollars fee is then given to the Port Adelaide Footy Club, and that comes out of their football department spending there. So uh, that's the risk that Port Adelaide are taking. The first time it's ever happened under Michael Christian, so it's going to be fascinating to see how it works out. That doesn't seem like a significant risk to take. It, it could could you potentially see? a trend developing throughout the season with pretty much all incidences um, where a one-match or a two-match ban uh, is the result being challenged uh, under this new uh, format? In the end, 10 grand's 10 grand. Uh, it's, it's, you know, players last year were risking $1,500 fines and $2,500 fines maybe. So it's a step up from that, however it is now incorporated to to the team's football department spending. Uh, it might, probably, like in the end, it's, you know, 10 grand for a football department is very different to an individual player, 10 grand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think, I think you'll find that clubs will probably be willing to, to risk that fine a little bit more. If Port Adelaide risk this, get fined $10,000. It's not, I should stand corrected there. It's actually a fee, not really a fine. It's a fee, uh, yeah. that $10,000. So if they start to accumulate, Port Adelaide lose on Tuesday night and that starts to accumulate 
you think Port Adelaide might uh, might hesitate as we get deeper into the season. They, they've they been challenging for quite a few weeks. Mm. Uh, one of the other faces and names on the Fox Sports website today is Gold Coast star Tom Lynch. Um, look, he, he's, uh, he's heading into the 2018 season um, as a free, or this is the last year on his current contract, the co-captain yep. up there at the Suns. So this is a massive season for Tom Lynch. Um, and already we're talking about what's going to be happening beyond this season uh, with him. Well, we've been talking about Tom Lynch's future for quite a few months, actually. That's sort of true, since yeah. August last year, we've been talking about uh, Tom Lynch and where, whether he might be at the Gold Coast in 2019 and beyond, or will he be lured home back to his native state of Victoria? The reason that foxsports.com.au has sort of taken this story forward this morning is after Kane Corns on SEN Radio, Port Adelaide great, who's uh, quite outspoken now in the footy media, doing a great job, <laughs> uh, but was quite, was quite strong on Gold Coast making a statement, not only to their members, but to the, to the rest of the competition by offering Lynch a contract in the vicinity of what Lance Franklin was offered to go from Hawthorne to Sydney all those yeah. years ago. So Buddy was offered a $10, Ten million dollar deal over uh, nine years. Uh, and he, uh, mm. Kane Corns today, has said that, that there's no reason why the Gold Coast Suns shouldn't offer Tom Lynch a nine-year deal worth $1.5 million a season. Uh, it's, it's excessive. We thought the Buddy Franklin deal was excessive. Uh, but, you know, Buddy, I think, is making huge inroads in uh, earning earning his way, I think. Yeah. I suppose yeah. that he's you know, he's been fantastic. For Lynch though, um, he's one he's probably the best young key forward. Actually he is the best young key forward in the competition. He's got a huge future ahead of him. Uh, only mid twenties at the moment, Tom Lynch. Uh, he is, I think, between him and Rory Sloan, I think Tom Lynch is the most valuable free agent on the market oh, uh, come sure. season's end yeah. if he doesn't uh, sign between now and the end of the season. So it's going to be fascinating to see uh, that story play out and, and how Tom handles it, I think, more than anything else. Well, a couple of seasons ago, uh, Fox footy talent Jonathan Brown recommended that Jesse Hogan deserved a 10-year, $10 million deal similar, <laughs> similar to that of Buddy Franklin. Uh, I mean, with the benefit of hindsight, you might reconsider that given what uh, Hogan has had to endure the last couple of seasons with the Demons. Um, but what's your take on, on this? Do you think someone of Tom Lynch's stature as a key forward that, you know, the quality key forwards seem to be as rare as hen's teeth in today's game, particularly those with a motor that are capable of uh, adapting to the fast free flowing nature of how the AFL is, uh, is evolving as well. Uh, And someone with, with, with the pair of mitts that Tom Lynch has up forward. uh, Do you think he deserves that kind of a deal? It's interesting you mentioned Jonathan Brown because Jonathan Brown also said that Tom Lynch was the best player in the AFL uh, Mm. a couple of years ago as well. So uh, Brownie loves his key forwards. Uh, (laughs) The thing that I suppose differentiates Lynch from a couple of other players is he's got the height and the hands, as you mentioned as well, but he's got the tank, uh, the ability below his knees as well. So he's actually... Uh, quite nimble and quite clean at ground level, and his ability to snap around the body, you know, banana goals, I think is is really impressive for a key forward. I think he deserves to be very soon, you know, once probably Franklin departs and maybe Josh Kennedy from the West Coast Eagles as well. I think Lynch deserves to be the highest paid key forward in the AFL. Yeah. Uh, he is clearly, I think, the, the the best, most talented young key forward in the competition. And when you look at his past three or four years. His numbers 
and his ability to win games, I think, for the Suns, even though they haven't won that many, when the Suns have won, Lynch has normally had a big influence in that. And I think that's where you start to get into most valuable player on a club's kind of territory. So I think mm-hmm. uh, Lynch is, uh, certainly deserves a very, very high pay packet. Nine, point, uh, nine years, $1.5 million a season, I think is a tad excessive, though, Phil. Okay. Probably more deserving of the uh, the nickname The Package uh, as opposed to Jake Stringer. Uh, but look, uh, it, it's it's clear that Gold Coast just need to keep this guy at their, cl- at their club, right? And that's what Kane Corns was huge on today, saying that to remain relevant in the AFL, uh, Gold Coast need to keep Tom Lynch because mm. they've just they've lost Dion Prestier a couple of years ago. Premiership played with Richmond last year. Jager O'Meara uh, left to go to Hawthorne. Injury interrupted last year, but I watched him play an inch club match a couple of weeks ago, Jager, and looking in absolutely stunning form. So uh, the Suns, uh, uh, in terms of the players that they've brought in and not been able to recruit, uh, Keith and Harley Bunnell was, was a bit of a fail for, for the Gold Coast Suns as well. So it is super important that a player mm-hmm. of Tom Lynch's stature and calibre stays at the Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate for the Suns that they're going to have to pay above market value to keep uh, a player like Lynch around, but it is, uh, it, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial. Hey, Ben Waterworth, thank you very much for joining today's Splash. Pleasure, Phil. My absolute pleasure as always. Always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, very interesting stuff developing as we gear up to the AFL season, which kicks off in about three, three and a half weeks' time. Uh, Ben Waterworth, thank you very much. Now, Christy Doran of the Fox Rugby Digital team is also a guest on today's Splash. Welcome, Christy. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Good afternoon to you. Uh, Now, I produced the the first uh, Fox Rugby podcast for 2018, uh, a little earlier today, uh, featuring yourself, your fine self, Brendan Cannon and Nick McArdle, an all-star lineup, um, and it it got straight down to business. We had Nick McArdle and uh, Brendan Cannon butting heads on uh, a couple of the major incidents that arose um, out of the first proper round of the Super Rugby competition. That it, it made for some pretty uh, captivating listening. You certainly did. It's it's been a big talking point uh, from the, from stemming from the weekend. We, we saw the Rebels and the Reds go head-to-head on Friday night in the first Australian derby, and the Rebels won 45-19 against a, effectively a 14 at a time, 13-man Reds lineup. We, mm. we saw Scott Higginbotham, the, the Queensland Reds captain, sent off after just nine minutes. Uh, a huge call from a, a shoulder charge. Yeah. I think uh, the commentators initially, their, their impressions were it should at least be a yellow card. As it turns out, Higgins has been suspended for three weeks, and there's probably more bad news. Plus the straight red, of course. Plus the straight Effectively red. Effectively a month on the sidelines. Effectively a month, and and they they could have a double blow now with Luke Antui, who was also shown a yellow card during the game for a dangerous spear tackle on on mm. Wilk Genia. So Luke Antui facing the Sansa judiciary this afternoon. You could see Lucan, who made his debut for the Wallabies last year, miss some time, and I would expect probably more than three weeks. A rising lock. Uh, and w- what are your takes on the way that these incidents have been handled so far? And I, when I say handled, in-game and post-game? Look, I think 
2017 World Rugby changed the laws to, to effectively try to stamp out contact to the head. Yep. So, so so from that point in time, we've seen that any time that you collect anyone from the, the shoulder up, you're, you're really going to probably be sent to the sin bin at the very least. Uh, I, I think Scott Higginbotham's got very little that he can say about, the, I think, the red card that he was shown. He, he had straight contact from his shoulder onto the head. It mm-hmm. didn't hurt Matt Phillip. We don't know that yet. But the, the big reason why we've seen uh, such a... A change from world rugby on this is that more and more evidence that concussion long term has has huge huge impacts and uh, we we don't know what happens now like it, it, it we've seen what three four players particularly from New Zealand rugby retire over the last couple of years because of recurring concussion and head trauma uh, we saw Bernard, Bernard Foley, Foley last year miss five of the opening six rounds because of it too it's it's a huge issue and rugby australia just earlier this month issued new guidelines around a blue card system with concussion so it's a massive talking point I yeah think, well I, that that's my where my question goes so in AFL and NRL we hear words like reckless versus careless um, how does the Super Rugby judiciary handle these kind of incident inc- incidences and do they have that kind of a grading system or is it just black and white, if you hit someone in the head, you're done? Well, they do have graded system and, and they do look at a, a player's prior history. Higginbotham actually was, was ruled to have been, uh, or for six weeks he was initially going to be suspended for, but because he's been a, around for a long time and he's had a clean belt, Previously, it was halved to three weeks. Also, and you've effectively uh, cost the Reds an opportunity to win their first game. You know, you send someone off uh, ten minutes into a, a, a ball game makes it very tricky to win. Indeed, and with one of the uh, taking this story forward or this event forward, we've heard. Yesterday, Mick Byrne, the Wallabies skills coach, who was a former AFL champion, talk about the fact that perhaps instead of trying to wreck the game, because as we all know, the fans uh, are what makes a sport, uh, that you could potentially keep the player or maybe send him off for 10 minutes, but he's out of it for the rest of the game. And then you just take it moving forward to a judicial point of view. So... Uh, that means that you're not going to have a game, essentially, which becomes incredibly one-sided, which is what we saw on Friday night. Well, yeah, I, I suppose, that, and this that's where it becomes really grey because that's I think you need to take into consideration what's happened to the victim in that case. If they've been knocked out for the for the entire game, then I think probably Scott Higginbotham does, certainly at least he doesn't deserve to take any further part as well, but. So maybe they look at a, a system where your team is down a man for 10 minutes, but Scott, he can't actually come back on, but you can maybe bring someone else back into the ball game because I think if the other team is hurt by a certain incident, that team needs to be punished within that game and not uh, not that team for future weeks. I certainly agree because you, you could almost get the, the case or an example going forward that if it's a final, for instance, and, and your best player is really running the show, that they get heavily targeted. So, exactly. So, so yeah. from my p- perspective, I'm, I'm happy with it. We don't see red cards shown all that often. We, we saw it in the British and Irish Lions test last year against the All Blacks when Sonny Bill Williams collected 
uh, Anthony Watson's head from a shoulder and was sent off after mm. 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. The All Blacks stuck with the the Lions until the 79th minute when a, yeah. when a penalty from Owen Farrell won it. So it's not impossible to win if you go down to 14 men. If you lose mm. a man, I, I don't buy the argument personally from Mick Byrne, but I understand that from a fan's perspective, it can be yeah. frustrating if yeah. you lose a player so early on. I mean, Yeah, there's an AFL incident from last year which pops up. Jake Bug, Melbourne Demons player, turns around... Uh, punches Swans player Callum Mills square in the head, knocks him out. Callum Mills doesn't come back into the ball game. The Swans are down one rotation. Jake Bug keeps playing the game. He's then suspended for a lengthy period of time after that game, but it's that Sydney side who are disadvantaged for the rest of that ball game. So I think they need to find some kind of middle ground there. Indeed, and I think also it's important to recognise that, that concussion is just such a big area of the game now. It's one of the biggest issues facing sport in general. And I think, look, it has to be used as a deterrent to go, under no circumstances can you start tackling and getting that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. It's Look, it's a, a topic that I think everyone um, uh, is comfortable throwing their two cents worth in. Uh, and that's why I would strongly recommend that everyone uh, goes over and finds the Fox Rugby podcast, hits subscribe and listens to the latest edition involving Nick McArdle, Brendan Cannon, Peter Hewitt. There's a name, a blast from the past. Of course, the interception king. He was a former Tars player. Uh, where else did he play? He moved to, to London Irish and has been coaching in Japan. He's now back with the Brumbies mm. as an assistant coach. So yeah. he provided some good insight. But Brendan Cannon, former World Cup winner and, and, and Wallaby is so... Plenty to listen to. Indeed. Christy Doran, thank you very much for joining us on The Splash. How do we follow you on Twitter? Christy P. Doran. Christy P. Doran, that's it. I'm Phil underscore Pryor. If you want to continue that conversation with us around concussions and sending players off, fascinating stuff, that's a wrap for today. (laughs) 